When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can't win anything with kids. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. How much are the players looking forward to Arsene Wenger arriving? for Bernal. He loves coming forward to play the nice ball in here to Lee Nogan. Nogan's done well. He's done really well. He scored a super goal. A wonderful goal for Reddit. And from two goals down in 12 minutes, Bolton now find themselves 3-2 ahead. Great run by McAteer. A terrific run. Have a line on. There's the cross. De Freitas. Now it's safe. Bolton go into the Premiership with that second goal by De Freitas and their fourth of the game. 4-2, they can't be caught now. What an amazing afternoon of football it's turned out. The finals in all divisions have finished 1-0. They're very tight and this one is two, but Mendonca's clear. Clive Mendonca! Charlton lead! And Mendonca, their top scorer, has taken his tally for the season to 26. That will be the taker. Quintana! Quinn. Nearly got through to Phillips. And still might. Phillips is clear. Kevin Phillips! Then Keith Jones. Now Clive Mendonca. Mendonca's in the clear. Chance for Clive Mendonca! 2-2! And Quinn's on the far post. And Clark hits the cross. And Quinn wins it. Niall Quinn! When will it cease? Perez has come again. The header is goalbound from Richard Rufus. An astonishing story. And Richard Rufus has scored an equaliser five minutes from the end of a Wembley final. It's Sunderland three, Charlton three. Summerby. Summerby! What a strike! Good cross. Mendonca! It's extraordinary! Absolutely extraordinary! A hat trick for Clive Mendonca!
Michael Gray, born in Sunderland. Illich has saved it! And Charlton are promoted! Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the Phoenix Five. With the birth of the Premier League, every club chairman from around 92 wanted to get the club into the Premier League. He had secured a 191.5 million five-year TV deal to show games exclusively on Sky, which meant promotion now to the top flight was about to be worth a whole lot more. The Football League's second division, as it known in the 90s, before being rebranded as the Championship, had some fantastic players throughout the 90s. Steve Ball, Nathan Blake, Doogie Freeman, Clive Mondonka, Kevin Phillips, Niall Quinn... Everyone has their favourite time of year for football, whether it be the Christmas period, for some it's the start of the season, and for many it's the playoff final period. Four teams from England's football second tier battled it out for knockout tournament, where the winner gained promotion to the Premier League, and it doesn't get any better than that. Fans desperately want their teams to play on one of the world's football's biggest stage, whether it be at Anfield or Old Trafford, Villa Park, where players' dreams come true. So you can shove your Euros, kick your Champions League in the arse, and pick the FA Cup in a cannon and fight over a rainbow as the Championship playoff really is one of the greatest football tournaments in world football. Point. So this week, we've got Lee Harper. Lee, how are you? Yep. Evening all. Um, great weekend. Um, looking forward to this topic. few classic games in there. So um, yeah, I'm waiting for, obviously, all your guys' info and stuff so we can just have a chat. Holland, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm sound, mate. Nice to see us all together again. Uh, it's rare as rocking all shit these days, but we're, uh, but we're, uh, yeah, we're all here, so it should be a good one. And I'm joined by David Graham as well. How are you going, Graham? Hello, mate. Good evening, lads. Nice to be back as a five again. Lovely. And then finally, Adam Miller. How are you, mate? How's it going, lads? Good to be back on it. Right, guys, let's go straight into it. The first game we'll talk about is the most famous championship final playoff, which was Charlton versus Sunderland. Uh, we had a audio clip at the beginning of the show going through the goals that being 4-4, the penalty shootout, the drama... Let's jump into it with that. And this is, I watched the game recently on uh, Sky Sports. Uh, you know, they have a retro uh, channel you can watch stuff on YouTube. Uh, and it's one of the greatest games. I mean, it's, it's got everything. It's exhilarating. It's, it's, I felt pretty stressed after watching it because it was just so end to end. It had like so much going on. And even 22 years on, I think it still stands up as one of the best playoff, if not just playoff games, just games in, in history. Yes, mate. Just these games. Just the the memory is just so limited. I mean, back then in the nineties, like you, like he said, it was all focused on the Premier League, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, me being a Fulham supporter, we was in the lower leagues back then, but the coverage was very very limited. I think you might have had because the lights just didn't have Sky. You had highlights on like two o'clock in the morning on ITV, nationwide league goals or something. So these, as Dave said, these, these your Swindons and your Leicesters and your Boltons and Palaces and teams like that, you just didn't really take any notice. And that's I think that's why. I had no recollection recollection of these games, but now you come on to the Charlton Sunderland game, Paul, and you're spot on, mate. Not only is it a great game for a playoff, not only is it a great game for English football, but just football in general for world football. Four four. I mean, I watched this game at my uncle's house. All the games were during the summer holidays. I know that. I know that that much about them. And like you say, Amendonka scored a hat trick. I haven't even looked back because I remember it that that well. Um, Kevin Phillips scored, Noel Quinn, I mean, he scored like a bullet header from an angle, from a goal you don't see in this day and age. I mean, I'd, I'm actually, I'm going to go and watch it back during the week now. We've actually spoke about this because you compare it to, I suppose, I don't, we've, we spoke a little bit about today's age, but like the Champions League final last year, I mean, if you was an alien and you had to watch those two teams, you've got the two supposedly best teams in Europe competing 
in a boring 1-0 win, I think it was, compared to two second-tier teams, 4-4 for excitement, exhilaration, like you said, Paul, had the lot. You'd think those two teams were the two best teams in Europe. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, um, what, what an advert, not just for the playoffs, but for English football in general. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one, uh, mate. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the guys are with me on that one, if you remember watching it. Yeah, that, that's definitely my favourite, most most favourite one, definitely. I, I Like you said, I watched the goals today. Mendonca's first goal for me is oh, just breathtaking. Oh, like, if one of the centre-forward, like Lukaku or Ronaldo, scores a goal like that now, people or Messi, they're, they're talking about it for weeks. Um. But I want to ask all four of you, actually, because well, obviously these playoffs in the 90s were all at the old Wembley. Do you think, like, the crowd and that, because if you look at new Wembley, it's pretty, you're so much closer to the to the pitch, people that have been to Wembley, than what the old Wembley was. It just seemed like you was, like, a distance away. And I just think, I, when I look at listening back, like, and listen to the roar of the crowd, I think the atmosphere is... 10 times better than what it is now. More corporate now. And the seating, weren't seating in that area. The fans could stand up. The, the, it was louder back then. Yeah, they ripped their heart out of Wembley by obviously knocking it down. The, this, yeah. the time that it was being rebuilt, if they'd done it in two, three years, it could have kept that same environment. But going to Millennium for so long, I think it's society and the way football, the way fans were, has evolved and I don't think they're as vocal as they used to because of the corporate environment but yeah I miss the old Wembley because obviously we was young when we used to go there and it was electric well, we, I just want to go back to, so I know we're talking about the finals obviously play finals so obviously we've kind of skipped on to like uh, 98 Charlton Sunderland but um, I just want to mention 96 when uh, Leicester beat Crystal Palace 2-1 so like one of these little facts that I've found doing some research and that so in the 119th minute, Martin O'Neill subbed their goalkeeper, Kevin Paul, and brought on, his nickname was called The Spider, because apparently he was meant to be like a penalty shot, like stopper. Anyway, 30 seconds later, Steve Claridge shins one in and they win 2-1. <laughs> but well, in- it's edge of your seat, that's what I remember. I remember being at school summer holidays, we were still at school, and then watching it at my uncle's house, it was on Sky, as it was, and it was edge of your seat. You get games where you... In this day and age, you look at your phone, didn't you? You're getting bored. Back then, obviously, you didn't have phones, but you weren't looking at the clock. You weren't walking out of the room. This was this was a game where you couldn't take your eyes off it. And to top it off, you had penalties. Not just any old penalty. It was 8-7, like you said. And then the last kick of the game, Michael Gray. Do you know you why know? Michael Gray took that penalty, Dave? No, no idea. Run out of players? I don't know. He's like ninth in the list or something. I don't know, mate. Daniel Diccio took his boots off, <laughs> thinking <laughs> that it wouldn't go to 7-6. So he took his boots off, thinking it would be over. Did he take so, one, Dickio? What? Did he take a penalty, Dickio? No, that's good. No, because he took his boots off. That's what I mean. He was meant no, to no. be next, but he thought the playoff, he thought it was ah. over and done with. So Michael Gray stepped up. He's missed it. The rest is history. <laughs> Talking about Swindon, uh, which was the 1990. As I said, it was the first time that the final was made into a single showpiece game. Uh, of the idealist, the manager of Swindon, beat Sunderland, thanks to an Alan McLean uh, goal. Uh, not that it did much good, as as we said, they was uh, it was reversed for paying illegal payments to players, and we saw Sunderland then result in turning up in the top flight. Does it, uh, Leo? I'll go to you first. Anything about that game that you remember? Yeah, well, if I'm honest, uh, not much that I remember about it because I would only been about seven, and there are some classic players in there that I'm sure all the '90s uh, listeners will pretty remember. You've got um, the Swindon's captain for one was Colin Calderwood. 
who I'm sure many will know. Uh, I think David Graham will remember one of these players. Paul Bracewell, did he play for Fulham, Dave? He did, mate, yes. Yeah, yes, he, he did. at Sunderland. And he managed us as well for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got Marco Gabbiadini. I'm sure you'll remember him. Sunderland and Derby, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to that game, yeah. Um, like you said, with Swindon winning it uh, and then get demoted for financial uh, re- reasons, whatever it was, and then Sunderland getting promoted... The one thing that stands out to me in that was that um, the Geordies were basically pissed right off because Sunderland knocked them out in the semis and then they ended up losing and then they ended up going up as a result of Swindon getting demoted to like League 3. So obviously that must have been a bit of rivalry in the the northeast. This is one of those topics we, we've all had a, a quick chat about. It's not our most knowledgeable subjects because it is going back into the early period of nineties where it was more Premier League. But yeah, I think the Swindon is it was the start of that kind of. It was the first time really in, in mainstream English football that there was consequences for illegal payments. You know, we had the uh, Terry Venables in the bung and George Graham in the bung and uh, later on Sam Allardyce. But back in that era, you, you all knew it went on, but no one ever got caught until they got caught and kicked out of it. Um, let's jump forward a little bit then. Let's go to 1992. Uh, this is the year of Blackburn Rovers and the Kenny Dalglish era. And those who watched Fever Pitch on BBC One over the last couple of weeks, um, they mentioned Blackburn winning the league inside sort of three years of coming up. But that was the start of Jack Walker took over in 91. And they were just about to move into that period where they signed, you know, uh, Colin Hendry, David May, Alan Wright, Wilcox. Um, they had lost to Leicester twice that season in the league. But when it mattered, Mike Newell, first half goal, uh, was enough to, to see Blackburn through. Well, if you're asking the question about Blackburn, uh, obviously a few years later, they went on to win the Premier League, didn't they? So I'm guessing that's the start, isn't it? I mean, we've spoke many a times about Jack Walker's millions on here. So I'm guessing he put X amount of millions, if I say. I don't, I don't know the uh, fiscal standings back then, but it'd been enough for him to get them promoted, I suppose. And then obviously they kicked on, but... Yeah, as the game itself, I mean, these games in the 90s, I mean, 90s is my decade that I sort of wax lyrical about, but I don't remember being on television. I mean, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, I don't remember them. I don't remember watching them. I mean, they I know about, about them, they're happening. They were a thing, obviously, don't get me wrong, but I don't remember seeing them on telly until you sort of look back and think, oh, yeah, that did happen. You know what I mean? I'm going to just go off in the finals for a moment and talk about the other side of it. The playoff finals now, it's massive absolutely massive in terms of the financial side of it in terms of prize money i think it's 194 million pounds if you are promoted to the premier league and that was more than the championship uh, champions league the world cup and the fa cup combined so if you get up from the championship to the premier league you're sitting on a 200 250 million pound gold mine yeah was that only from the is that only from the like the playoff winner or automatically if you go up one and two and any position, any position is it, it's it's getting I into think, the Premier League. I think I think I've read before that the the playoff final is the most you win you win more. Obviously, it's more of a gamble because you can easily lose that final. But I'm sure who whatever team goes up gets more money through revenue and what X amount. The richest game that. in football, I think. You're right. I think you're right, Lou. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, it is. Yeah, it's the richest game in football, as, as Graham just said. There, it's interesting because. So in the Premier League, when, when you finish, every position you finish in the Premier League is worth a certain amount of money. But outside of that, in, in the EFL, every, no matter if you finish first or bottom of the league, you get the same prize money regardless. 
and there's been an argument recently with the pandemic and everything that happened that, that it was reviewed and looked into whether that was a fair standing because if you're you know sitting 15th in the table and you're going against a relegation team or a playoff team and you can't really go up or can't really go down and there's no incentive financially to win a game does that make a, a problem yeah well it's like winning the lottery isn't it i mean i don't know if the players are under pressure have to feel that pressure the money side i know the the people behind the scenes the chairman and that will be thinking jesus christ we need to we need to win this because a lot of some of these teams uh, are putting all their eggs into one basket, and if they don't get up, they're in they're in financial they're in they're in the shit the next season. You know the gamble's there to try and get up and get in. But if you do get up, you get parachute payments, don't you, for the next three seasons that keep you yeah keep stable as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so right. it's, it's 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 winning. It's basically a lottery win going up, isn't it? You've you've hit the jackpot, and then if you can manage to stay up for a season or two, you're laughing. But I don't know if that filters down to the players. But I mean, I've never, I've never supported a team that's been in a playoff final like. So I don't know the feeling. But I can imagine, I can imagine on the day, it's, it's, it's something special. It's got to be up there with your, you know, well, we've recently just gone through it with your Euro finals and stuff like. But yeah, I can imagine it's a great, it's a great day. And especially, I mean, we're going to come onto it later. Uh, Graham's been part of a, a promotion. Um, the two Miller and Harper would be the same with QPR. But um, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm Arsenal. We're, we're in a relegation dogfight ourselves at the minute. But um, yeah, I can imagine I can imagine that the, the euphoria for it all would be great. But uh, yeah, I think I think the money side. Obviously, if there's players in the team that are in that playoff final, they've played in the Premier League. It's exciting for them if they don't get shipped out because that can happen as well, isn't it? When they go up, you're not good enough for the Premiership, and you just get you get either sold sold to another Championship club or um, yeah. Miller, what's your take on the championship? The, the, the meaning, the worth, you know, how important is the championship game to you, would you say? Yeah, it's very important. Obviously, any player, any fan wants to be in the Premier League. So the pressure, like Holland was saying, whether the finance side of it goes down to the players, I think it definitely does because they'll probably have something in their contract. If they're playing in the Premier League, they're going to get more money. They'll have something in there and they get bonuses. Obviously, if they win, whether they get promoted, but when you're in a winning team and you're progressing through the championship, two, three wins can get you into the playoffs from near relegation. It's always that tight. You get a good run of games towards the back end of the season and you're, you're getting a momentum going into it. So the players, I think they turn up more. Like you were saying, what's the if every team gets paid the same money no matter where they end up, what's the incentive for them to actually turn up? But I think pushing for that playoffs for the semi-finals, the finals and stuff like that, just pushing for it to be involved in it, I think it would definitely have an impact on the players in the change room and stuff like that, the squad morale. But same again the other way, you drop out of the championship, I don't think you get the bounce-back money the way you do when you drop out of the Premier League, especially, right. especially now with the bounce-back money that's about. You go back to, say when the Premier League first started, a couple of teams that come to mind that you just said there was like Swindon or Oldham or people like that, or Notts County. They dropped all the way down to like League Two back then because the bounce back money wasn't there. So I think the players definitely have that drive to stay in the Premier League, obviously for financial gain for themselves. Do you think then, Ads, that, because that, there's been a lot to speak about this, about the bounce back, the parachute payments, so you get a certain amount of money for three years after you get relegated. And it's always been seen as an unfair competitive advantage because 
getting relegated from the relegated from the Premier League puts you in a stronger position to go back up than a team that's been battling for you know five, six, seven years. Look at Leeds as an example recently, how long it took to get back up to the the pinnacle. Whereas Burnley, when they went up, they came down. West Brom have been a yo-yo club, Fulham to a certain degree. Do you think that they should scrap the parachute payments? I don't think they should scrap it, but you know the financial fair play side of it. I think that has an impact for teams that are overspending, say like QPR, overspending in the Premier League, getting old guys on big money. They dropped down, they dropped down. We went back down to um, Division 2 in the what, early 2000s. We went down to Division 2 because the money management in the club was all over the place. And then even then, when the money come back into the club, the same thing happened again, overspending. So at least now we're stabilising. I think I think they need the parachute payments. I think if you go and you go into the Premier League and you you have to spend in the Premier League to tr- even to try and to survive, if it goes tits up, you and and then you're left with that debt to go down to the Championship. If you don't have any money coming down and you go back to having nothing, clubs will go bust before they even get down to the division below. I think you need some sort of money to try and stabilise what you lose by coming out of the Premier League. So I don't think you could get rid of the parachute payments. I'm going to talk about the Swindon Town, Leicester City. This is a period where it was four free uh, for three, three years out of five. There were Swindon four, Leicester three, Bolton four, Reading three. Then you had uh, Charlton four, Sunderland four. Um, but the Swindon Town, Leicester City game, just a bit of facts about that one. Brian Little was manager of Leicester at the time, and Leicester were the first team to reach three playoff finals in a row. The season they lost to Swindon, they had a win and a draw, and Brian Little did achieve promotion the following year, beating Derby 2-1. This is one of my earliest memories. The, the, the reason why I remember this a little bit more is my uncle is a Swindon Town fan. Is that the same uncle that took you to Man United? How come you didn't support Swindon then? <laughs> it? Remember that story? Old Mickey oh, Mickey, I I've got remember remember one that, <laughs> No, I did. I did look into the Leicester in four in the nineties. They were in four playoff finals. I mean, being a fan for Leicester during that decade must have been fucking heart wrenching. Well, my first real remember of playoff finals was, uh, I think it's the 95, 96, uh It was Bolton four three to Bolton. That was probably my first ever. Like that's probably, it's the year after Leicester beat Derby, basically. So you were talking about when Leicester lost to Swindon. Um, I don't really much about that. Then the following year was Leicester. They beat Derby. But yeah, my first really remember was Bolton beating Reading. And if you look at the lineups, players that we all like remember, if that makes sense. Like you got Shaka Hislop was in goal for Reading. You got Alan Stubbs at Bolton, Jason McAteer, um, John McGinley, who I thought was I used to love watching him play when I, growing up. I thought he was. A, Great little player. So yeah, that, that's probably probably my first really like remembering of playoff finals. And well, four three, seven goals. Weren't a bad final to begin with. I don't remember know. who Bolton's sub goalkeeper was by any chance. No. This is a fun fact, I know. I don't know. Peter Shorten. Was it, yeah? Yeah. Well, oh he must be fifty or then last not sure. Well, well, talking about obviously. Talking about that, fun facts. You, well, you, the manager, obviously, was Bolton, was old Bruce Rioch, who I think managed to get the Arsenal job. Over on yeah, the, badly. Yeah, yeah, so I think he, he actually got the Arsenal job by getting, basically, Bolton promoted. Oh, Winterburn said he was trash. Do you think the the disparity between the Championship and the Premier League is is the highest it's ever been? Like the, the, the top end of the Premier League or the even the, the middle team of the Premier League compared to the Championship... Do you think that the, the, the gap is widened to a, an unbreachable 
level now? Um, no, I don't. I think the championship has come on leaps and bounds with the quality of football that they're playing and they could compete with, say, like the mid to bottom tier tables in the Premier teams in the Premier League. I, I don't think it's as far as what it used to be. You look at teams like, say, like um, when they come up, Sheffield United, the first season, done well. Brentford come in, doing well. So now teams are actually coming up into the Premier League and competing. When before, you knew guaranteed relegation, up and down, yo-yo. It's, it's not often that you get all three or even two out of three go straight back down. Because they're competing. They go down the season after, don't they? It's that one season one that everyone seems to come up. And then by the sec by January, everyone tends to get sussed out most seasons but they've got enough points to stay up. And then the following season, they struggled. And then they I, I, think, I think it's because they break the team. They try and bring in Premier League type players and they break the spirit of the team that got them there. I agree. In the with second Adam. season. Yeah, they, they go, like all right, let me go get some fringe players from bigger um, teams in the Premier League. And then they break the spirit, the spine of the team, the foundation that got them there, that kept them in the league. Yeah, okay. so I'm going to use Sheffield United as an example, like for last season, what you just said that Adam, I think like, uh, I know this is a bit naughty at the moment, so like listeners might not, but with Sheffield United, they had people like John Fleck, um, Chris Lundstrom, um, when they stayed up, but then the following year, obviously they stayed in the Premier League, they invested heavily, they were started to become sub players, and then, well, they got relegated. Well, it moves on quite nicely. Just Sorry, I'll go back on for Graham. Fulham, when they come up, they spent over a hundred million and it like yeah. just chucked money at it when they had a very, very good team in the championship that was going into the Premier League. Why would you try and change the whole squad? I don't get it. But isn't that to do what Holland said about money? If 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 you come up and you're given 250 million pounds, the urge is to then spend the money on players to get a better squad. That's what he urges, but you get players to complement the squad you've got, not to change them. Okay. Well, they're, they're, you're both QPR fans, and obviously this is a championship. What I'll do, I'll rename it. They call it championship playoffs. I'll just put championship, and then we can go off, off brand slightly then. Um, with QPR, obviously, they were in a playoffs in the 2014. I mean, is that the only playoff game that you've been in, the final? Am I right? uh, we, lo we lost to Cardiff. We lost at Cardiff. Yeah, in the Millennium Stadium. What year was that? Think what was it? 2004, I think. Mm. Okay, 2004. You went up in 2014 with QPR. Um, yep. The Derby game. Who? I'll go to Miller for this one then, first of all. The Derby versus QPR. You win 1-0. Bobby Zamora struck a dramatic 90th minute winner for 10 men Rangers, may I add. What do you remember about that, the feeling? Did you any of you go to the game in the final? Yeah, I was just to the right-hand side of the goal where Bobby Zamora scored. About 12 rows back. Unreal. So what was it like then? Tell us about the experience of going to a playoff final post for a normal game. And then the build-up, I went with my old man and he said, we've got this son. Whenever I've seen QBR at Wembley, they've won once. So <laughs> he said, don't worry, I've got 100% record. And he, he was that confident. The build-up, the going up to the stadium and stuff like that was brilliant. The game, I thought, was awful. <laughs> it was an awful game to watch. QBR were lucky to even be in the game in the first half. And then everybody forgets about Gary O'Neill, what he done. Well, I, I think he's the reason why we won. Yeah. 
That's he. Everyone was singing Zamora's name. They should have been singing O'Neill's name. He kept us in the game. And then, yeah, again, Zamora, what he'd done, the place erupted. He had dying off that for the rest of his life. Yeah, but that's not that's not the first. Uh, goal. No, he'd done it with West Ham as well. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, and but yeah, as Adam go, that was probably well watching Rangers. That was it was two thousand three when we uh, we lost to Cardiff, and that was like they scored in like extra time. Um, but that was at the Millennium Stadium. That was nowhere near the same like crowd that we had at Wembley. Uh, and I've had the, I took my little boy. So for me and him to witness that taking your son to like play a final and winning, like it was me, my dad, my brother, my son. That was it was pretty special. Um, and like well, obviously the circumstances, but as I said earlier, Gary O'Neill making that tackle. What's the difference? Yes, we was hanging on, but I can remember like just watching Hoylet fighting for the ball like that. And you just all you wanted was just one chance. And luckily, um, yeah, Zamora, great finish, by the way. Let's not forget that. It was it was a good finish. Yeah, but Lee, you see how you described it there? That's exactly how I would picture a uh, a fan of teams in the lower league to describe it. Yeah, there was your dad, your son, your brothers, your uncles, all that sort of stuff, which is what me and Mickey don't get. And I mean, you know what I mean? We don't get, I mean, we get it out, well, we don't so much now, but in other ways, we, we got it by winning FA Cups and, you know, Premier League. But that, you know, like the lower leagues, that magic that you get from sporting teams in the lower leagues, we would never understand. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, to, to get a playoff final. That, I, I've never experienced it as a fan, so I wouldn't know, but I can imagine that that's how I imagine it, how you just described it. For me, that's the magic of it. Mm. No, definitely. I, I completely, 100% agree. But going back to what we were talking about, um, the cup finals, I, I prefer watching, I don't know how you guys feel, but I prefer watching, even if QPR ain't in it, I prefer watching the championship playoff than I do the FA Cup final. Well, this is, this is this is my point in the beginning when I said, you know, Champions League final, FA Cup final, all that stuff. I think the championship final are more entertaining. I mean, Miller spoke about pressure of the game earlier on. It's the most coveted, game in world football in terms of prize money as we said and it means more to any club than winning any trophy financial for a professional player to go up to the Premier League I think you 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 have a hard press to find many players that wouldn't rather play in the Premier League than win a trophy I think we're going back to I said about the that moment QPR winning was the best moment for me in football it would have been better than England winning the Euros in the summer it wow. just means, okay. yeah. It just mean, it just means more to me. But why? Why what, does it what, mean so much? What England does it mean never... the Premier League means so much to a club. Because it's your club. It's, it's every day. That's you. I know it's your your national team, but you don't. You only see them every couple of years in tournaments. But like what you were saying about the pressure, what I find in the playoff finals is the teams actually say, you know what, we're going to give this a go. We're not going to sit back like England did in the final, sitting back and staying compact. That's why there's goals in the playoffs. Teams go into it thinking, all right, we're going to go in there to win this. But they're also going in there with a lot of momentum to get into the final. But yeah, for me, just club football for me is, it means more to you than national football. But that's just me. Everyone's different. I also think the playoffs finals is the most cutthroat game in the world as well. Because you could have an amazing season and finish one point off of automatic promotion, right? And then a team comes in at six and has 20 points behind you, right? You play them in the final and lose, yeah? And then you've got 46 games again 
to get to get back in to get back another shot at that. That's all. That also, that's like it's it's cutthroat, isn't it? It's fucking it's harsh to think that you can have a blinding season and a team twenty points below you stuffs you and they're in the Premier League to hit the jackpot. So it is it's ruthless as well, isn't it? Which makes it excite it makes it exciting as well. It's all on the line, isn't it? I mean, you got again. You got like I said, you got forty six games to, to try and get yourself back to that. That's forty six games, and then you have got a playoff if you get through to playoff. Mm, yeah, exactly. I'd like to see what the stats are to see how many teams that actually came third in the league actually won the final. I, I, I tried to look this up, Miller. It's not. It's not. It's not that high. You expect the team to finish third to just romp the playoffs, and nine times out of ten, it don't happen. It's, it's more than likely this team that finished sixth that goes up more than the team that finished third. I think. But that's what I was saying about earlier about mid-table teams getting a good run on the back end and they're going in there with a the momentum. The teams that are up there, they're up there all season fighting for the top two. You end up third and you just miss out on that top two, your morale's down. And then you've got to think, all right, we've got to go and play these games now in a, in a knockout tournament. When they've put everything into it all season to try and get in the top two, their morale's down. When the team that's got into the playoffs by goal difference into the sixth spot, they're thinking, all right, we're going here. Lottery, as Holland said. I want, like I said, I'd love to speak to a championship player that's been through all that and see, like, you know, like, obviously it's great to go up in second place, but would you rather go up in second place automatic or win a playoff final and get the, the jubilation of that? Because, I mean, the, outcome, the outcome's the same either way, isn't it? Yeah, playoff final. It's got to be, yeah. isn't it? Another thing with a championship I find is that you could be 20th at Christmas and you could still finish the season in the top six which is bizarre. Would you say the championship is the hardest, most competitive league in the world? Ahead of League One, ahead of League Two, ahead of the Premier League, Europe, the most competitive league in world football, would you say is the championship? I don't know. That's, it's like a, a quote that's thrown out for years, isn't it? When people say in the world. I mean, let's be fair. How many of us know what goes on in the rest of the world? In, like, let's say, for example, the Argentinian First Division, nobody knows. Portuguese second division. No, nobody knows. But from what we know in our league, of course it is. But there again, um, League One and League Two, my boys, Fulham, they were in there for years. And we spoke about this before. They were in they were bottom of the third division and it took Fulham a long, long time to get out of there. So is the championship the hardest one? No, I say it's one of the three are the hardest ones to get out of. I mean, once you go back, like Miller said earlier about not skewing out counties and your Oldhams and your Swindons, not, aren't Notts County in like the conference now? Mm. I mean, how long does it take? They can't even get out of, of the conference league two league one let alone getting out the championship so i think it's one of the three it's very hard to get out of i agree and when you when dave said about a team finishing sixth and then going going home to uh to win the playoff final and get promoted i mean morally that's wrong because the team that's finished third over that 46 game period have done more than what that team have finished sixth the team that finished sixth hasn't done enough to warrant a place but that's the competition. That's the nature of the competition. And it is a lottery. You know, you play three games, best man wins sort of thing. But yeah, it, championship is hard to get out, out of. I mean, I know you're touching on modern day football and obviously I've got to throw my pen at in now because my Fulham have won the, the playoffs um, in 2018 and two, two, 2020. So it's nice to get up there. Did we deserve to get up there? Probably not because we weren't, we didn't finish first and second, but we had the opportunity to and we took it. So yeah, there's pros and cons, I suppose. But, yeah, I'd say in, 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 in England, Paul, it's um, the tough, one of the toughest things to get out of. But the, the, the cliche of the, in, in world football, I, I, I just I can't, I can't comment on it because we don't know. And obviously, if you can, go, you can go into Africa and Australasia, we know those quality leagues aren't that great. But top quality leagues, like the Italian leagues, maybe the French, and that, 
we don't really know anything about them, but yeah, it's totally well, I'm waffling on a bit, but but if but if you go back and you look at um uh, the, the second division in, in Spain or uh Syria B and things like that, and the teams that are in it in the history compared to the championship teams and the history they have of where they've been and what they've won, mm. I think it's unparalleled. You know, no, you, I think oh, okay, no, no, I, I see what you're saying. Define hard to get out of them. That's what I'm saying. Define hard to get out of. I think it's the team, like, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. A team like Bari. So yep. They used to be in uh, joking aside, we've had laughs and jokes about it. They was in the seven, they was in the top um, Italian division for a long, long time. Yeah. When's the last time you saw them in the Serie A? Define well, hard to get out of. That's all I'm saying. No, I get it, I get it. But I, I think in terms of I think that the lower leagues are hard. It's a hard one, isn't it? Come on. It is hard. I think, but I think there's more money involved in English football than there is oh, Spanish, is. Italian. Together. What? You can combine Italy and Spain together and the money's more... Well, that's what, that's what I mean. So I think our championship sides have more, just about as much more money than most top-flight European uh, divisions. Uh, so in theory, it's easier for them to get out of the championships. For like a team like Fulham that have got a billionaire owner, had parachute payments. To a team like Bari, maybe, that's got Soddle, that's been in Serie B, Serie B for, for a long time. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, but Dave, there's what I'm trying to say that there's more teams like Fulham that got money. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's so that's what that, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah, no, so it's relatively right. more easier for a team like that that's got money than a team like Bari that haven't got any money that can't get out. That's what I'm saying. Define hard. That's hard to get out. That's what I'm saying. Define the word hard to get out of. No, but yeah, like, I, I do agree with Paul. It's a hard to lead to get out. Of, of course, it is. Like Miller said, not you're not counties in your oldums. They're stuck in the, in the doldrums, mate. They've been in there for years and they can't get out of it. So. But does it not come back to finance? I know you're saying Bar is a great example, but you find that Syria B is a level level playing field, really. There's not don't watch it, so I don't know. I'm just surprised. Nobody really knows. I would say I would say the championship's a level level playing field as well, money wise, isn't it? I know you've got Fulham who's got a billionaire owner, but well, QPR's got a billionaire owner, really. So you know I don't think there's a massive gap in the finances of the of of the championship, other than the teams that come down from the Premier League. You might have you might have a few in there that came down from the Premier League, and they're still in the Championship now. But five or six of them that haven't gone back up, they might have a little bit more. But the money is more or less the same. I no, I disagree. I don't think it is. I disagree. I think it is. There's you've got as you said. The minute you introduce, if I've, how many? In, uh, I'm you know if, if you had eight teams in the league now that have been in the Premier League in the last five years, their financial plight compared to someone that hasn't been in the Premier League or has come up from League One over the last five years. There's a massive difference there. And as I was saying earlier on with the prize money, every team in that division get equal pay. There's no, if you finish first or 20th, it's the same, you know, it's equal. So I, I, when David Holland, oh, sorry, Graham said about to find hard to get out of, I, mean, I think I mean in terms of it, the competitive nature, like every game in the championship is competitive. Every game is competitive. That's my point, Paul. I, I, sorry, to, no, I agree, 100% agree. That's my point. When people say, hardest league in Europe or the world. We we don't know. That's all I meant. We don't know. We don't watch these leagues around the world. So oh, it's cool. like a cliche that's thrown out there. Oh, because yeah. it's England have got this amount of money, it, it must be the hardest league to get out of. I mean, I don't know. Try, don't laugh, but try, I don't know, like a, a foul Kirk was saying, or one of those Calden beefs that can't get out of those Scottish leagues. Patrick Fissel. There's no money. Yeah, there's no money in these leagues. But <laughs> if they're on a level playing field, they should be yo-yoing up and down. But these, these guys don't. That's all. That's all I meant. The management with the finances, you can have a billionaire owner, but still mismanage your club's money with the players that you're buying. Leeds done it, QPR have done it. Many teams have tried 
to put the money into it. And then they've gone to the championship, division two or division one, league one, whatever you want to call it now. They've dropped all the way down because of mismanagement. doesn't matter how much money you've got. So the teams that are competing in the championship on a shoestring budget, you just got to be lucky with how who your manager is and who your chairman is. So I, I, I don't think it's all down to the money or anything like that. Okay, it's a fair point. I'm going to move on slightly now, a, a slightly different uh, subject within it, but players of the lower league either didn't make it, didn't make it, whatever. Any memories of players? I mean, we, we spoke with the WhatsApp group about um, last week I missed the episode because I was away and, and a player came up from QPR called uh, Tarap. Um, and I think the quote was, <laughs> he's as good as Zidane. Um, <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I've got to call you on that because... Anyone can look. I mean, Lee Trundle, who Graham mentioned at Swansea, was it Swansea at the time? Yeah, it was Swansea. Was Swansea yeah. He was as good as, as Ronaldo is now, if you go back and watch his highlight reels. But they were entertainers. Yeah, I, and I, I do, there's a damn thing, obviously, with tongue in cheek, I get that. But there were so many entertainers now in, in, in the championship. And back in the day with Lee Trundle and um, uh, Robert Earnshaw, people that try to <laughs> kind of find their level in the, in the championship or League One and they, they try and make the step up. And they 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 really fouled. What do you, who do you remember in the championship that you thought was a just a fantastic player, but then either couldn't step up or made the step up? Obviously, you've got players like Ian Wright and back in the day and Bardi now. Anyone that sticks in your mind? No, well, you, you mentioned Lee Trundle. He, he used to be on Soccer AM every fucking week, didn't he? They were doing all the tricks and all that. He was take he was doing some Zidane bits in in uh, in, left in League One and all that. He was taking liberties, uh, but he was a right old fat fucker as well, wasn't he? But he was just. Uh, he, what he could do with a ball was unbelievable. So I'm glad that he's been he's been mentioned. I mean, it'd be good to try and get him on as it goes. He's not a bad shout for a guest. Oh, you just call him a fat fucker. Well, yeah, no, we'd have to, we'd have to edit that bit out. Well, they're, they're talking to me. I'm the fattest geezer here at the minute. Well, and I, and I can't see Miller because he hasn't got his face on there. But um, but uh, no, it'd be good to go get old Trundle on. He, he was t- oh, here he there is. Oh, no, it's it's true what I said. He is fat. Um, <laughs> now. Um, yeah, Trundle done some some serious, but he's gone again. Miller's gone again. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'd have Trundle definitely. Trundle for some like every Saturday, Saturday morning when we had football, now you stick on Soccer AM and Lee Trundle was taking liberties, lobbing it over people's heads, winning and just doing some serious skills. So I'd say Lee Trundle was a uh, was definitely the one. Well, there's there's loads of good championship players, but and lower league players. Um, but what, what era are we talking now? Are we, are we, have we gone off the 90s? Are we now just talking in general? Well, stick to the 90s as much as you can, but if there's someone that you can think of now, then think of someone now. Or, or no, the 90s and noughties, Lee. Yeah, noughties. Well, I, I kind of, I, well, I spoke about him earlier. Like, I thought he, uh, John McGinley, I thought he was a great player. Striker. Um, not so much skills and stuff like that, but um, I'm just, I was just looking back on the, obviously the, the squads for the playoff finals, just see if I could see anyone that I thought, oh yeah, well look, he, he stands out, he was good. But believe it or not, there isn't one player that I think, oh, he was good. Like you've mentioned Lee Trundle, um, but everyone always gets a fair, a fair crack at the Premier League. In this day and age, what I'll, I'll say a striker that I don't think has been really given a fair crack at Fulham is Mitrovic. Because every time... He gets to the Premier League. Fulham always buy a striker. Dave, you've been a Fulham fan. He doesn't really get much game time. They drop back into the Championship. They flog the strikers. Mitrovic then becomes fucking 30 goals a season striker. And then they get back in the Premier League. Uh, and then they don't give him another 
play. What do you think about that? Yeah, you, you're right, Lee, but it's an odd one, isn't it? Is that maybe is that his level? Because, I mean, the weird thing is, last season, from Scott Parker, I didn't have an issue with Scott Parker at all, the way he played football. But when we got to the final third, instead of, like now, under um, Silva, they're having a shot, whereas Parker would throw it out to the wings. A bit like Arsenal, the way Arsenal used to play back in the day, trying to walk the ball in. That's the, that's the style he was trying to play, which is quite yeah. strange because he's got Bournemouth firing on all cylinders now. But, yeah, I think... Um, I do take your point on board, but I think there's question marks over Mitrovic's level. Is he is he is he too good for the championship, but borderline Premier League? Remember, like Cameron Jerome used to be, because he was a bit similar. He was so good in the, in the championship, and when it comes to um, the Premier League, just couldn't do the business. A bit like Earnshaw, as Paul mentioned earlier, one of them players. But I don't know. Um, I don't know to be honest. I mean, there's I suppose I've there's a lot of theories you could throw out, can you? Uh, Tim Cahill. Ooh. He was at Millwall, then he went to Everton, and he yeah. turned out to be a good one. Yeah, he was a success, wasn't he? I think Paul's on about the guys that could, should have been a success and weren't. Are you on about old oh, people that didn't make it in the Premier League? Or... Yeah, yeah, but well, yes, yeah, that's what you're trying to say. People that didn't make it in, in uh, the league, but yeah. then had a good like championship. Oh, well, okay. What about Steve Ball from uh, Wolverhampton? Everyone remember much about Steve Ball uh, in the championship? Graham, we spoke well. about him, didn't we? We spoke mm. about him before, do you remember? Yeah. The amount of goals he scored and he was never given a chance. Yeah. yeah it's one that never came off. As Lee said, go through the squads. A lot of those players that were coming up from, from the championship for the finals had decent Premier League careers. Yeah. Like you, you go back through through the players like Muzzy is it, MOS, he got mentioned with the Leicester team. Then Matt Elliott was in that team as well, I believe, the centre half. He was mentioned on season one, I think, on underrated players. So a few of them have actually come into the Premier League and held their own. Like you said, is there a gulf between the quality of players or teams from the mid-table Premier League to the Championship? You go back to the early 90s in the squads, how many of those players had long Premier League careers? And there was quite a few of them. Like, yeah, Dougie Freeman in there, Bruce Dyer was in there with Palace. They played for a few years in the Premier League and done half a decent job for the teams they were playing for. So uh, players that really stood out in the championship, you've mentioned a few of them. As Graham said, that's probably their level is, is where they belong at. Let them shine in the championship. There's no point bringing them into the Premier League and just let them rot. It's just a waste of time. Well, that's a, that was one of my questions I was going to ask. I've always had this... Um, question really it's, it's, it's a strange one but I'll use Newcastle as an example who are just not a very good team currently and you know teams that do come up like Norwich I'll use Norwich as another example or even West Brom it's almost like would you rather win games week in week out but play in the championship but you, you've got a winning mentality things are good you're getting paid a good wage or go to the Premier League and get walloped every week what 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 do you think the diff? I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase the question correctly, but coming to the Premier League sometimes it's just you're onto a, a, a dead end. As you said about some of the players that have gone up, as uh, you know, we Earnshaw or Mitrovic, as you said, they've gone up and they they just can't do anything. But then they don't want to drop down a division because do you think it's an ego thing? I think I'm trying to get to the ego. Is the ego of players of that that they want to play there because they feel they are good enough and they can't accept they're not and the Championship is their level. Or do you think it's more a money thing? What What do you think? Yeah, do you I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say yeah. it's an ego thing. I think it's 
want to try your skills against the best. There's no point. Otherwise, you may as well go into retirement if you think, oh, I'm just going to stay and take liberties in the park. You want to try and play against the best players and and train with the best players in the Premier League. So you want to bet yourself as a person and a player. Some of them will stay just for the money. We know that in the Premier League as it is. You've got players that ain't even kicked the ball in three years and still on silly money in the Premier League when they could be a superstar in the championship. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think the championship players will want to test their skills and see whether they are good enough against the better players. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anyone's currently playing is ever going to admit they're not good enough to do anything. They're, you know, if you're not going, to, if you're playing inside, you're, you've got to believe in yourself. Otherwise, there's no point. I think that the once they've retired and they've had time to think about it, they'll probably come out and say, "I was only good enough to play in a championship." But you'll never get that talk from a current player. Never. How, what would your stance be? As keep your full and fans, whatever. If the Premier League was to be a close shop like the MLS, well, who decides? Who decides who's in the close shop? Because there's. <laughs> There's multiple European winners, like Nottingham Forest, mm. like the massive club, Sheffield Wednesday, massive club. That they they've got the capacity, stadiums to be in the top. So who defines who should be in that top twenty? If that's what I, I, I personally, I think it is that league now. Apart from the teams that are coming up from the Champions League and teams going down, they're the only three teams that are really changing. You go to the top six, top eight, they're always going to be there. So it is a closed league as it is because of the finances and like you saying about the American, like with the other sports and stuff like that in America, they have the drafts and the bottom teams get to draft the top players. It don't happen in, in the UK Premier League, as you referenced earlier about finances. So if it was closed, what's the point? The teams at the bottom will always be at the bottom unless they change the structure of that so-called elite super league. It is about money, hundred percent. Look at Man City; they won't. We talk, I, I remember we talking about playoff finals. You I go Chelsea you, as well, like back, all of yeah, Man yeah, City, yeah, Chelsea, yeah, all of yeah. them. The biggest final was, I think, the League Two, where Man City they beat Gillingham. They were two 0 down. That, that got it them. Two, it? Yeah, it was two two. Yeah, they were two 0 down. It was two two, and I think they. But everyone was saying that that was a bigger final than the actual Championship final because of a club like Man City. And like Adam said, Chelsea, if you spend money, you will eventually be up there. Like Man United, pretty much, all the way through the 80s and 90s, spent all the money. Now look where they are. Yeah, Scared crash. to spend the money. Solskjaer spent £400 million, by the way. <laughs> Shut up, Andy. You're having a laugh. Has he spent Solskjaer, that much? He spent £400 million, and you lot are still never miles off from winning that league. He's um, not won a trophy yet, has he? I'm no. not going to get into the debate with that, but we can do that for now. Arteta's won more than him. We'll just leave uh, it there. We'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, Graham, what do you think about being a closed shop? I think Adam summed it up perfectly there. I, I, don't, I think it's sort of irrelevant, as he was saying, because the top teams, as it's a closed shop, no one's going anywhere. So the top teams are just keep competing and competing and competing. They'll get the, mo the most money, the best players, the best managers, best playing um, facilities. And that bottom half are just having a kick around. They're not challenging for anything. They're not doing anything. They know they're not going down. So yeah, I think it's I, I think it's a shit idea. I wouldn't be happy with that. So I'll be less. It'll be less interested for me. So no, I'm I'm like Adam said. I, I totally agree. I'm I'm dead against it. I am. I would. I even as an Arsenal fan, even as an Arsenal fan, I'll be against that. I'll hit the roof if that happened. I like the way it is now. It's exciting. You, you know, teams. You get the odd team who don't think should go down goes down. 
for the Premier League. Like a few years ago, you didn't think Newcastle would go down. But again, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Your Blackburns, your Leeds. Yeah. That you know the fact that we got to give us time to talk about them going down. If they don't fucking go down, if he ain't got that, and he ain't got you can you can lose a game and not worry about going down. That's bollocks. That. No, oh, no, I, I I agree. It was just it was as I said purely playing devil's advocate. But I do think that, that you know the championship is is the most. I think it's one of the most important leagues in the world, if not the hardest to get out. As I said to Graham, it's definitely one of the most important leagues. Because yeah, as I agree. Said, get it, it's there's no other competition. If you go from League One to League Two or League Two to League uh, League One or whatever it would be, the the prize money isn't the same. It's it's another step on that journey to reaching the pinnacle, which is now the Premier League. So I think to sum it up, I think yeah, I think that the Championship game is, and as Harper said. It beats watching the FA Cup now. If you are to play, we'd rather get in the Championship final and win it and go into the Premier League or win the FA Cup. What would they go with? And I think the Championship now getting into the Premier League is, is the most important thing. Lovely. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, just a quick mention. We've um, I've seen our social media platforms now. We've now joined up with the Sports Social Podcast Network. Um, so you can find us now on their platform as well. Um, also, to mention, if you're listening through the Apple podcast, if you could please rate, like, and review. Uh, so rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast. Helps us to grow um, and get more and more listeners. And the bigger we get, the more guests we can have on um, and the more production we could put into the show. But I think that's it. Um, please follow us on Instagram and our Twitter account. Uh, any questions or any topics you want to cover, please email us at thephoenix5show at gmail.com. And apart from that, guys, we'll see everyone next week. Thank you very much. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.